Dragons, and welcome to Who A, the Doctor Who podcast here on Post Show Recaps. I'm Kevin here with Melissa, and um, wait, no, it was it's just it's just Melissa and I, right? There was there's no other third person. It's always been just you and I doing this podcast. It's been us. I don't. don't Yeah, I don't know. We started with Mighty Ducks. Yeah, started talking Doctor Who. That's it. That's that's just what it is. The other person, if there was, has just been fully fully erased from existence. Uh, so anyway, this episode. No, I'm kidding. He's here. We remember him, and then hopefully the viewers remember him. Adam, how's it going? I mean, it's it's gotta be nice to be the Rory, right? Isn't that exciting for you? <laughs> Is it nice to be the Rory? I was certainly not a Rory guy. Uh, at least in my my first watch, I'm so, uh, you know much more of a Rory guy now at this point. As we we love Rory, we love our sweet sweet Rory. Um, that being said, I do think it would have been really really funny for y'all to just do the podcast and then like 20 minutes in, I start talking. <laughs> I think that would have been really fun, uh, and I definitely would have gone with it. But uh, excited to be here for this for this two party. We took a week off, but we're back. We've emerged from underneath the ground. Kevin stopped drilling us, um, and we're oh here. Oh my god! <laughs> well, you know, no, no, you know, get your mind out of the gutter, Kevin. Is that wow, <laughs> man, Adam? Yeah. Well, the drill blew up, so what does it matter? Um... <laughs> <laughs> we blew everything up. We blew the oh, whole thing yeah. up. There was probably valuable technology. We could have, we could have done some stuff with that there, but we just could have just really saved some lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this is the second part of this two-parter. This is Cold Blood following up after Hungry Earth. Uh, we did have that break, but. As per usual, uh, we're going to talk about the second episode here, talk about the whole thing, and uh, rate our both parts together. One final rating for Timey Wimey, Wibbly Wobbly. But, you know, we were talking last week, like, this episode isn't great, but we were like, we kind of have to cover it. And, like, let's get it out of the the way first, right? Like, we we have to cover this, because poor, poor Rory not only dies, (laughs) then gets sucked up into uh the crack in time and space and gets erased from existence out of everyone it seems except the doctor uh poor amy was not able to hold on to the memory of rory as he is just ripped away from existence which is such a sad fate it's tough it's obviously tough for rory and i don't think that we need to really bury the lead here in saying that like Rory's not done this is a timey-wimey show these characters like whatever like I, I think everyone kind of knows this at this point there's there's more Rory I think there was more Rory in the previews uh at the, like the beginning of the season like there's stuff that we haven't necessarily seen yet that has Rory in it so well, this is why you don't watch trailers well it's avoid those things. hypothetically but I also think on a show like this like obviously Rory's not going to be you know fully done here I will say the doctor moves on pretty quick from trying to have Amy uh remember Rory like a uh, really quickly there at the and like the doctor kind of gives up at that point so kind of you know sad to sad to see amy's reaction there but at, at this point i really do think on my first watch i was kind of like good riddance you know wow yeah i was i was kind of like I, this is not the most uh you know he he sacrifices himself in a way that like maybe maybe we just dodge the laser beam instead of putting ourselves in front of it and then no one dies but i don't know or the doctor was able to dismantle every single other laser gun this entire episode with just one blink of a, of a, of a, of a song screwdriver. Why couldn't we have done that with this one? What were we waiting for? Why do we have to have someone sacrifice for it? We did, we literally disabled like a, a two dozen of them earlier. We just one by one pew, 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 done. And now it just gets to go off. So farewell, Roy. We'll see you soon. Kind of maybe a little bit. Yeah. The thing that stuck out for me in watching this, this time is how long, Amy and Rory are like, doctor, we've got to go. And he's like, let me just like stare at this crack for like a while longer and give 
this reptile lady ample opportunity to show up. I'm just going to, you know, we were in a rush. We were counting down. There were minutes left. Um, but let me just like stare at this crack for a while because I'm too curious. Curiosity didn't kill the cat. It killed the worry. Oh, I mean, oh man. But like, it's only in character of the doctor, right? Like there's something interesting. There's something curious. I'm just going to take a little bit longer to inspect this. And we do get that like really interesting tease at the end. You know, the entire season we've been seeing this crack. He's mentioned it, that it's been caused because of like time and space colliding and something big happening. And so he reached inside to pull out shrapnel, which was a really cool idea. And then we see that it's pieces of the TARDIS, which is very, very like intriguing and a very cool setup for what's to come in the future. Um, I remember when I first watched this, right? Like I was legit surprised. I was pretty heartbroken. Um, maybe not like as heavily, heavily as like I could have been, I suppose, right? It was still very sad for me. Um, and I think that is carried by, uh, even here now watching it, the acting ability of Matt Smith and Karen Gillan in that scene is absolutely incredible as they are, he's trying to tell her to hold on as they're screaming, as she's crying. It's really, really well done. Um, but I was surprised that they killed off the character. I just hadn't expected it. So it was very shocking for me at the time when it happened. I mean, we know a little more stuff now. We don't want to get into too spoilery territory, but... The, I, I think it's handled also well in 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 the conceit of of a when he shows back up again is I guess what I'll say. Um, but it, it it means this episode is very important because it sets up a lot of stuff as we head into the final few uh, remaining episodes here. Beyond that, though, I mean this episode these disappointers fine right? Like they dealt with some interesting stuff. Um, they dealt with some interesting concepts that, as we talked about last week, are just unfortunately too relevant right now um and in perpetuity i guess but i think i liked this second part more than the first uh because of some of the things they played with and some of the themes um but overall i feel like it was it was a pretty all right episode like it's we're gonna reference it because we always got it, it was no daleks in manhattan <laughs> It really takes us almost no time each podcast to get to the dogs in Manhattan. That's really that's that's just my wild defense mechanism. Us. I got yeah, it. I got to use we, it. <laughs> we have to get there. I think I said this last time, but I really do think that if we had looked at both of these episodes together and done one podcast or both episodes, we would be coming away from this being like, that was fine. That was a fine two-parter. It was totally fine. Uh, whereas in that first episode, even even more so now after we've seen the second part, I'm kind of like boy did we really need to spend that long in that first part like doing the things that we did like did we really need that much setup just for like basically the whole premise to be boiled down to a couple sentences of like she's up there we're coming down there's like you know the the, the situation is what the situation is like it's not that complicated in terms of the setup it's very complicated in terms of the resolution which is very interesting i actually think that like the concept of this resolution is fascinating and you know spoiler it's not the only time that the doctor is going to sit two different parties down in a room and say let's figure this out that's really cool i like that part of it um the military part of it okay, whatever. There's an, uh, a third force kind of at play that maybe is not like super diplomatic. Okay. That's interesting. Um, but like, gosh, we spent so long in that first part, like setting up stuff that I really don't think paid off in the way that it needed to. And the things that did pay off were really only set up this episode. 
And so like for me, I think that's where maybe the pacing doesn't work as well as it maybe should like we get multiple parties of the um uh silurans da- uh this episode we get the diplomatic part we get the, the leader guy whose name i forget and we get the military part none of that was last episode we just saw one of them and who was like one of you is going to kill me and i was like okay like i guess that kind of and then pays. that happened like it did happen but it's like gosh there's so much more happening down here that like i wanted the the history the explanation the diplomacy like the conversations that was the kind of stuff that i was really interested in and that really only started this episode and i feel like we wasted a lot of time last episode being like what is this let's capture let's run around for minutes trying to hide in this church but then uh, you know what i mean like we just spent so much time doing random stuff last episode that like really could have been you know drilled down for lack of a better term this episode Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i agree i think i i has got this whole thing of like my death will like incite this war blah 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 but like restack the military leader is like free like waking up the soldiers and preparing to like descend on this before she even knows i is dead so it isn't actually that relevant to the whole situation and there's like a piece of it that feels interesting and this whole but like i don't know also ambrose is just like so freaking unlikable in this episode yeah annoying (laughs) it's it's true and like her actions obviously cause a lot of the consequences that happen here um and yeah i i expect better from british felicia day but like unfortunately did not get it um but we can break down, there's stuff to talk about, especially what you just mentioned, because those are those pieces, uh, like, when she's already, uh, like, waking people up, that I'm just like, what, what, so, what, what, I don't understand what moral ground you're standing on, but um, we'll get into all those details. We're going to break down the episode and then get into our ratings uh, right after this quick break. All right. And we are back. Melissa, let's talk about cold blood. Yeah, so Eldan, the this kind of senior uh, lizard homo reptilia dude, says, this is the story of our planet Earth, of the day a thousand years passed when we came to share it with a race known as humanity. It is the story of the doctor who helped our races find common ground and the terrible losses he suffered. It is the story of our past and must never be forgotten. I'm gonna say this right now. Terrible losses makes it is a bit weird when it's like the whole thing at the end of this is gonna be Rory. Fair enough. Bad. Nobody remembers. And then that. like n- none of the rest of his losses happen in this episode. So how the Homo reptilia know about it and are talking about it? I find ridiculous. This whole thing is like weird big buildup that does not pay off in this episode. Listen, but like the people he like stayed underground which is no nope. not really a loss because then they also go into cryo sleep he also met them 10 minutes ago they're fine <laughs> well you have to what you have to remember here is that it sounds cool yeah, right <laughs> right that is that's about it just, yeah. it does sound cool we have to admit like even though it doesn't really make a lot of sense it doesn't pay off really it sounds cool you have to admit it come on it sounds cool rule of cool but, yeah I it mean, does. It definitely does, especially with like the graphic that they use too. Like it's, it's like what the whole the whole Earth there, and then we're like, you know, it's a place. He's got a good voice for it, so I don't know. Yeah, I'm on board. The Doctor's many losses. He and Rory many, grew close. Many losses <laughs> of, he, of Rory. 
which is a loss, a significant loss. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, that's a bit. And Amy's memory, kind of, is a loss. Those two things contradict themselves, (laughs) like in terms of the loss. Okay. What about? Okay, there's not a lot of other losses, but that's what I'm saying. That's my entire point. The drill, the drill is a huge loss. Yeah, we're losing the drill. Yeah. Nezreen lost her life's work. Yeah, plus the one person who died. I'm really, I'm so bad with. I, I couldn't do the, the names. scientist. No, 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 no. The, the, the Silurian. The what's her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The oh, the two of them. The, the yeah. yeah. There's a lot of losses. Plus the doctor's faith in humanity via that one woman. That's true. That's a pretty big loss. That's a loss. That one woman, he's the one arguing that the rest of humanity is not nearly so bad, to which I say, I don't know. It is, yeah. I don't know. We'll get to that, yeah. Anyway. A lot of losses is what I'm saying, Melissa. I feel like we justified this pretty well, actually. Sure. (laughs) Uh, The doctor's deep below ground looking at this enormous city. He says the majority of the race is probably still asleep, and they find Amy by looking for heat signature anomalies. Nazreen asks if they're entering the best way, and the doctor says the front door approach is always the best way. A computer alerts... every D&D player knows. Yeah. Uh, Computer alerts of hostile life forms detected, and the doctor continues, apart from the back door approach. That's also good. Sometimes better. Um, So the doctor prefers the back door, is all I'm going to say, and we're going to continue on. (laughs) Uh, the, war- <laughs> the warriors approach and the doctor tells them they're not hostile, that they come in peace. Uh, Amy is in the lab and the scientist notes that from the clothing, the human female appears to be more resistant to the cold than the male. And Amy shouts, I dressed for Rio and I died. It was so funny. I do love the callbacks to the Rio thing throughout both episodes. I thought it was really well done. <laughs> I just like I loved that it was like this like scientific approach of like what can you gather from these two specimens? Mm-hmm. It was like yeah, like how many how many times have we probably done that? Where we're like oh well, this would obviously be because of what I, I was like no, idiots like whatever. Anyway, this made me laugh yeah. uh, when scientists try to do science and uh, the scientist goes to commence dissection but is requested away for a species diagnostic. Amy yells after him, yeah, and stay out, and manages to pickpocket the restraint controls, freeze herself, and Mo. Mo asks how she got it, and she says, you never picked a lizard man's pocket? I love uh, Amy. This is another <laughs> so great, like, she's just very uh, scrappy and intuitive and, and and able to get herself out of situations, which is something I really like about her as a character. Um, mm-hmm. And you see that showcased right here. Uh, she didn't need help. She was able to get herself and the other dude free and, you know, GTFO. Yeah. Yeah, this like whole section uh, of stuff is just like Amy showing that she's very capable, which is very fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mo wonders if the Earth has been invaded by aliens. Amy says she doesn't know, but knows someone who could have some answers and they need to get back to the surface to find him. She presses a button and the screen lights up, revealing Elliot in stasis. Mo tries to get him out, but his access is denied due to an unauthorized genetic imprint. Amy realizes his vital signs are being monitored. He's still alive. And Mo suggests they find weapons to force the creature from the lab to release Elliot. And Amy says, trust me, we'll get him out. Um, I'm starting to make note of how often the doctor and his companions make promises that they absolutely cannot guarantee they can keep. Um, Yeah. I mean, in the doctor's case, I don't think it's been said yet, but it's going to come up because... It is this error where, you know, the number one rule of the doctor, like he hasn't said yes, I don't want to spoil it, but it tracks, tracks. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, it it happens so much in this episode that it just like really hammered home to me that I was like, gosh, these promises are gonna, uh, 
be a problem. Yeah. Uh, Rory finds Ambrose still holding Elliot's headphone. She accuses him of lying, said he was with the police. Rory calls it a misunderstanding, and Ambrose asks who he and the doctor are, why this is happening to them. Rory says, the doctor will get your son back, I promise. Ambrose asks if they're just supposed to sit and wait. Rory says they'll take turns guarding the creature and exchange her for Ambrose's family. He says, I promise you, Ambrose, I trust the doctor with my life. We stick to his plan. We keep that creature safe. Whoops. Again, just, just stick to the, like, where's, where's Keith Nail right now? Yeah. Just hopping up, <laughs> stick to the plan. <laughs> yeah. But I also dislike line from Rory, right? I trust him with my life. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, that was maybe not great to do yeah i mean promises kept right like here we are again (laughs) yeah uh in the lab the doctor's in pain as he's being scanned one of the lizard people remarks that the other prisoners escaped this is why all prisoners should remain under military guard and the scientist comments that she would prefer to be in charge of everything and everyone but they rank the same he asks about ilea but there's no word and he says it's fine to show concern that she is part of her gene chain yeah, uh, I'm, by yeah. the way, going to start referring to all my members of my family as part of my gene chain. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, is, the, uh, is there science behind this? Was this like you're, you kind of laughed and you said gene chain, Melissa? This, uh, this, like, yeah, this like connected. This worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I oh. mean, like, yes, you share genetic uh, material with your family. Uh, yeah, so yeah. No, it's like it tracks. I just think it was funny to describe, you know, your kin or family or however. Yeah you would think about it as like gene chain. So, but it like, it's, they're not wrong. There's no lie here. It's not wrong. It's just hilarious. Which is why I'm like, yeah. that's, that's it. We love a gene on. chain. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. Yeah. <laughs> we love a gene chain. <laughs> it's very like scientific and unemotional, which, you know, tells us something about this species and this culture and stuff. So yeah. Gene great. chain also could be a really, really bad accessory is the, is the other, is the I other mean, uh, you were not around in the nineties, Adam, but uh, they were a thing. People were wearing jeans, like necklaces, like chains. No, 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 no. but like chains on chains jeans. on jeans. I oh, oh, okay. That's even yeah. another, there's a lot of potential meanings for gene chain. Yeah. Wow. Use also like a wallet chain of jeans. Of just dudes named Gene could be a. It's a lot of Gene chains. No, yeah. No. Are, are there? I mean, it could be. I without. I think there might just, be two. I think we've discovered the two. I think those are the two. I, but, I don't know. Yeah. I could see at least four. I would take it and tie all his jeans together and be like, see. <laughs> uh, so on the surface, Ilea sees Mac. Asks why he isn't dead from her venom. Mac says it feels like it's burning his blood. Asks for her help to cure him. In exchange, he'll help her escape. Ilea says, you see, you beg and offer betrayal so early. Why would I want to escape when I can watch you die? The first ape death of the coming war. The doctor is undergoing decontamination, but the scientist says it won't harm him, that he's only neutralizing all the ape bacteria. But the doctor explains he's not an ape. See the two hearts on the scan. He's totally different. And that by removing all human germs, they'll remove half the things keeping him alive. This made no sense to me. Is is this anything? I yeah I'm 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 a little confused by the like is he saying that are, are they talking about antibodies like if they remove all his antibodies I guess yes I mean that that's true of humans it. too if you remove all right. their antibodies it's still not good so I think he's I, he says human germs but I I think he's supposed to be talking about like okay this is gonna there's a lot of stuff that lives on you that is very critical to keeping you alive that is not actually like human stuff right like your skin is like covered 
in microorganisms. Your insides are covered in microorganisms. There's a whole microbiome of your body that is like very, very critical to your life and uh, survival. So gross. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, Kevin. That's disgusting. Yeah, this is like bad for humans as well to be like completely decontaminated. So I don't really understand that. But then I was also kind of. But like dissect people like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think he's it's super also, concerned. It's also not good for keeping them alive. Yeah. But I, I didn't yeah. understand why, like, he was like, oh, you'll be fine. And the doctor's like, no, I in particular, like, require human germs to keep me alive. I just chalked it up to we're getting rid of the human stuff. That means we're getting rid of one heart and he has two hearts. That's why he said half the, I don't know. I just was doing some heart math. Heart and, math. Yeah. Heart but he math. said germs. Is are you? Is yeah, your heart a germ? germs? I don't know what germs are. I, maybe if you have two of them, <laughs> is my heart coated in germs? Probably it probably is. Probably gross not. in there. That would be bad. Oh, okay. With okay, so I, I don't know. I was. It's uh, like your your insides are sort of exposed to the out, out, right. It's all the it's all the bits of you that my uh, what is exposed to what your digestive system right is like an open it's it, your digestive system is a really long tube that runs through your it's body that's open or open, oh, that's even what more disgusting. So, oh my god um, i know yeah. you're really grossing us out here yeah what are we <laughs> doing right now science is disgusting this is what i need to Where's get rid of this line? contamination oh my god okay yeah um any, i don't know yeah Someone was talking about going on a, this is not related at all. I was talking to someone about Halloween and they were talking about going to like a, like a morgue to, or like a tour of a building that like used to have a morgue in it. So it's like apparently very haunted or whatever. And I was just like very matter of factly like, oh yeah, I've been to the morgue a bunch for like brain cutting sessions. And they would looked at me like that was a weird thing to just like share um, casually. <laughs> It, it is just to be very yeah. very clear so as our, he just shared that casually yeah our yeah it was were, weird yeah i just want to no. confirm that yeah. for you as, as part of grad school i went to like watch brain dissections a lot um it was very cool but uh-huh. i mean i'm not gonna say it's not cool but it is weird to share yes yeah okay yeah okay i mean i'm really glad that you got that education and had that experience and like felt good about it it seems yeah. like you're in the right field if that yeah. is the kind of thing that yeah. is interesting and exciting to you. Yeah, it, it is true. We're comfortable enough that you could share that with us because yeah. I, I think it's interesting. But if we were like normal people, you know, I'm just saying. So I, like I'm my random coworker that I yeah. mentioned this to. Who exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. You just got to podcast with them and then you can share this Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the scientist turns off the decontamination, but Restac, the military leader, tells him to continue. The doctor says that feels better and asks for celery, but that's not really the climate. But they would do a roaring trade in tomatoes, and he introduces himself in Nazarene. Restac introduces herself as a military commander, and the doctor says, "There's always a military, isn't there?" Uh, we leave the drill. Uh, we learn that the drill was attacking the oxygen pockets above the city. Restec asks about the rest of the invasion force, and the doctor explains they came for the humans that they took and to offer safe return of Ilea and says, Oh, wait, you and she, what is it? Same genetic source? Of course you're worried, but don't be. She's safe. Restec says, You claim to come in peace, but you hold one of us hostage. The doctor says they all want the same thing, but Restec says she doesn't negotiate with apes and will send a clear message to those on the surface with the doctor's execution. First of all, I think the doctor presumed, like, just assuming that these two lizards are related is a bit racist. <laughs> just so. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is that hold the on, only on. part of this episode you find a bit racist, <laughs> Kevin? Okay. Not the, not the constant ape language? Yeah. Um, Which also, by the way, that 
so like that's obviously a thing where they just keep going on just like oh these apes but like humans are not apes that's one a misconception and like there's that whole thing where it's just like human like the chain of evolution isn't an ape and then there's humans now there is a thing upon which there was a, a, a bunch of species and then it branched and you got humans and you got monkeys. Those are different. Doesn't mean that we're all apes. Just means we shared a common ancestor. It doesn't help when you when you say things like that anyway. Um, there's it's a very bothersome topic for me. Well, and there's certainly a lot of like uh, racism throughout this uh, set of episodes, as like we've been talking about before. And I think that I said this previously, but if we look at like the 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 writer uh, and who is kind of in charge of these episodes, uh, again, I. Uh, I don't want to like uh, accuse anyone of anything or point fingers towards anything, but it's. it's I don't want to, but I will. But it's basically. <laughs> and have been, and uh, will continue to. Yeah, do so. And will continue to do so, like unabashedly, like truly, like I have, I have no problem calling people out for like stuff like that. That's totally fine. But um, that being said, I actually kind of want to defend this one particular moment of assuming, quote unquote, that it's, <laughs> it's like a, the same gene chain, if you will. Um, I chalk that up to the doctor's like knowledge of this race and his like yeah, previous experiences true. and like his keen insight on that kind of stuff. Now, believe me, I have, I have no problem with being like, there's a lot of racist stuff in this episode and there's a lot of problematic stuff going on. But like this one particular thing, I do think like he did say that before of like he has experience with this exact race. And so, you know, I, I more chalk that up to, to that than anything else, but that's fair. Maybe that's too generous. I don't know. I actually think that's a fair assessment. It, it's not, you know, and I'm usually quick to be like, nah, you know, but <laughs> racism. But <laughs> uh, So Amy finds cryo chambers containing Silurians and realizes they're in some sort of suspended animation. She wonders about the disc they're standing on and says the doctor would know. The doctor always knows. They find two tunnels heading straight up and Amy realizes they are power transport discs. That's how they could get out of here. Mo says, even better weapons. Come on, now we can fight back and grab some of the disc weapons. They head towards a door that leads to a balcony overlooking a vast chamber containing endless Silurian warriors. And Mo says, we don't stand a chance. And Amy says, we have to find the doctor. This like, I wanted this beat to be hit harder, but I loved this beat of Amy being like, the doctor would figure this out. And then her figuring it out was like, mm-hmm great it just happened so quickly that i was like wait that was very cool that was a great moment yeah. for amy and that was like that i it's like the one thing on this two-parter that needed more time not less it's true i mean like again amy's like capability as a uh companion is fantastic and it's one of the reasons i like her so much and like we've certainly seen capable companions before and but there's just something with Amy that I think we see so much of it and usually it's incorporated so well. And like there's stuff coming that I think is as incredible, if not more that that really showcases that makes me really like her. I think it's also because she, she's kind of like her and Rory both get time travel pretty, pretty well more so than most. And so I very much appreciate that about her that she's able to, that they're able to mostly comprehend what's going on. Whereas like a lot of other people need like handholding and stuff. So I don't know. Plus, you know, they're an amazing couple. Uh, there's a line coming up that just made me be like, I love them. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, Rory was the one that was all like, yeah, it's a pocket dimension. I get it. No biggie. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so Ambrose finds Mac looking for painkillers, sees the green scar, tells him it's going to be fine, but they have to bring the temperature down. He needs rest. 
the doctor and Nazarene are being escorted, and the doctor realizes this must be the only Silurians awake. The others are still hibernating. Nazarene asks why they went into the hibernation in the first place. The doctor explains their astronomers predicted a planet heading to Earth on a crash course. So they built life underground and put themselves to sleep for millennia in order to avert what they thought was the apocalypse. When in reality, it was the moon coming into alignment with the Earth. The scientist Maloka asks how the doctor can know that, and the doctor explains a long time ago he met another tribe of Homo reptilia. Restek asks if others of their species survived, but the doctor apologizes that the humans attacked and killed them. Restek calls the humans a vermin race. So this is like one of those things, too, that I love in sci-fi that happens a lot. Um, like when they mentioned the fact that it was just like, oh, we're going to be hit by a planet, but it's just like, no, actually, that's just the, the moon coming into alignment with the sun. It's an eclipse. And it's just like, oh, that's fun. Uh, like all these like little things that like you don't get and it, it they seem like an advanced race, but they just didn't experience it at the time. I just find that stuff like really interesting when they pull stuff like that together in sci-fi of like, I don't know. It's just fun. It's just like uh, it's it's world building and society building that I can find very fascinating, interesting, and can appreciate. I, I think I agree in general. Admittedly, I don't love the execution here because I just why did they stay asleep when they realized well, that it wasn't gonna destroy the whole earth? And then also like they, why sleep in the first place if you're if you would hypothetically be safe underground? Why like why? still be alive i guess right like you would so that way you can like like they built infrastructure down there there's like tables like that you know i i don't know just i I don't really care about like stuff like that but sorry tables are infrastructure (laughs) i knew exactly what you were thinking not freaking place i saw i saw every not anything advanced just tables I saw the gears turning right there, and I don't want any of it. Like two seconds to react, and I was just like very quietly laughing. And yeah, Adam read my brain. Okay, it was because I was thinking of like the big room, like the big like you know courtroom, and they're like sitting around the tables, Uh and I was like, that's infrastructure. So the table, it made sense. Okay, it made complete sense. I mean, it's structures inside, so like I guess you got that going there. You don't build tables unless you have infrastructure. That is what I know. Like you never start off with a table. So I feel I feel good about this actually. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I don't understand why they like stayed asleep and could clearly like not be. You know, stayed asleep makes it like the length of time they stayed asleep made sense, and I think they have they had basics, but you can only have so much that you're gonna be building inside the earth at least the way that they presented it so they probably built a certain amount of resources that they had and then they were like great we're gonna go to sleep and then when we wake up especially we can have an infrastructure if we peek our heads out and we're like oh we were so wrong and then go back or something but like presumably if a if a a massive asteroid or a moon sized asteroid impacted the earth it would take a while before stuff like i just needed to hear gosh i just needed to hear something like when our first person woke up after we thought it would be over the humans were already like all over the earth and we couldn't Mm -hmm. just go up i I just needed to hear like some kind of explanation for why like nothing had changed and we like didn't get any which is like it's fine like that's not the part of this episode that matters or that i really care about but it was just like as you brought it up it kind of like irked me of like why did they why did they stay asleep it doesn't doesn't i would love it if some scientists just accidentally put the decimal place in the wrong spot and it's that would like, be fine oh, too shit, we slept for way longer than intended that would be pretty funny but yeah like um maloka's been awake for 
what yeah. a thousand and three hundred years and at no point was like you know what maybe we should just you know go up and then like poke our heads up yeah um so yeah interesting um or it didn't even say like thousands uh anyway we'll get to it uh i agree with adam it's not something i thought about at the time but it doesn't make a lot of sense um ambrose asked ilea for a cure for mac ilea asked why she would tell and ambrose says because if you don't i'm going to have to use this on you and shows a taser from the collection of weapons ilea says now you reveal yourselves Ambrose says, first you take my son, now you hurt my dad. I'm just protecting my family here. That's all. I don't want to use it. I want you to put things right. Alea tells her to use it, that she's too afraid. A woman can't even protect her own child. Must be too weak to. And Ambrose zaps her. Ambrose says, I didn't want to do that. Are you all right? Tell me, what's the cure for my dad? Alea says, he's vermin. He deserves a painful death. Ambrose says, I'm giving you a chance. And Alea says, I knew it would be you, the one with the most to lose, the weakest. Ambrose uses the taser again. Rory's tending to Max, says he's a nurse, he should have told him, and they hear a scream and run to find Alea still alive. Uh, Rory runs to her, and Mac asks Ambrose what she's done. Ambrose says, she kept taunting me about Mo and Elliot and you. Max says, we have to be better than this, and Ambrose says, she wouldn't tell me anything. I thought sooner or later she'd give in. I would have done. I just want my family back. Rory says to Alea, I'm sorry, how do we help you? Tell us what to do. Alea says, I knew this would come, and soon the war. Rory says, you're not dying, I'm not going to let you, not today but then she dies. Yeah, it's, it's, listen, again, Ambrose, British police today. I love the idea, and by love, I mean just like, what? Where she's just like, I didn't want to do that, but I'm gonna several times more. <laughs> it's just like, great. You're, you're doing great, honey. Like, just absolutely insane. She sucks. Mm-hmm. And I hate this whole, like, I don't know, just doing it for my family thing is just, yeah, I mean it's the easy it's the easy thing, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it, when when you when you want someone to be like, oh, I kind of get uh, where it's coming from, and you use family, right? Like, oh, I could relate mm-hmm. to that. So it's it's lazy a little bit, but it's something that is a quick read slash relatable thing. Yeah, the problem is I can't think of like a better alternative to make the plot work the way they want it to work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I think sometimes there is an alternative that like is, you know, right off the top of our head of like they should have done this over this. In this particular the way they set this up, I just can't think of any anything like that. And then I think that they also really fell in love with the parallel of like families doing things for family against family who was doing things for family. Like, I think that's, I I think they just really fell in love with that um, juxtaposition and then just went with it, even though it doesn't track as nicely as maybe we wanted it to. It's a very, um, we're not so different. You and I moment that they're trying to really pull there, even though they are like pretty different, but you know, there he is. Yeah, I yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's this whole like um we don't really get the emotional I don't feel the emotional weight of this from either side. I actually don't think that it's done well like for either of them, right? Like obviously the um the lizard people are like you know, he's Valerians, like oh, you- Melissa. Wow, lizard people. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, nerd. So, like, (laughs) you absolute nerd, incredible. (laughs) Oh man, uh, I yeah, you just you know gonna um actually on on the podcast like that. So, uh, 
they um what am i even trying to say i don't care uh that that's the whole point of this is that i don't care very much uh so Reztech is all like not emotional about it he's like oh you can be emotional and she's like uh no it's fine i'm just like some very weird military i'm a tough military person person yeah so i don't we never get like any sort of like emotional vulnerability from her and are not led to believe that necessarily anything that she's doing is necessarily even motivated because of that and then on the other side ambrose is just like so immediately shitty um that it's like i've never I don't even like feel for her that Elliot is gone because I think at no point was I like, well, Elliot's in danger. So this is all understandable Um, because she's just like, so I don't know. I get, I get why she thinks that the doctor is like somehow partly to blame about this, but I'm like, ma'am, in what world are you more capable of dealing with this situation than this guy is? You have no idea what's going on. And you're like, insistence on like elbowing him out of this and not listening to what he has to say is going to get your son killed and you are being a bad person right now like it was just i don't know it like didn't make sense to me that she was just so incredibly like no i'm the one that's gonna have to go save my son because i was like how what do you know about the situation you are completely you know nothing you're an idiot what are you doing? Anyway, was... Would this have been better had her father been the one that was basically doing all of the bad, like, you know what I mean? Like it, mm. because of the medical, because of like he got infected or was being transformed or whatever, would that have been a more compelling story? Obviously we wouldn't have gotten the comparison, if you will, of like family and whatnot of, you know, the sisters versus like doing something for her son. But like, I, at least for me, I feel like his life in danger needs to like have leverage and support for like getting what he wants to be able to save his own life. Maybe that would have been better and more compelling. Like I, I cared more about him than I did um, Mm -hmm. her already. And so I don't like, I don't know if maybe that would have changed anything, but I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I was just like, why, like, why are we doing this? Like, uh, and you know, and I also am like mad at Roy because I'm Roy let her do this kind of a little bit. If you think about it a little bit. Because he left her. Yeah. He had one job. He was supposed I mean, the doctor said to do one thing, not to be a nurse, not to go over there and take care of people. He did that out of the goodness of his own heart. Good for you, Roy. Like we should be taking care of other people. Yeah, whatever. Proud of you. Pop off. But also do your job. If the doctor says do something, you should do it. You shouldn't just leave. Um, especially oath, man, he's a nurse first, uh, order follower second. I, I, is, I don't know. Is that? That's probably something. Also, I don't know much about the medical system, but when a doctor tells a nurse to do something, I don't know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> feels, point, actually. Feels like you should probably do it. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of nurses I know will tell you that it's very often the other way around. <laughs> yes. That that you look at scrubs. Being like, uh, it's very different. Yeah, I have no knowledge here, so I pop off, Rory. Uh, okay. So uh, Maloka is telling Restech that she's not authorized, but Restech says she's authorized to protect the safety of their species while they sleep. The doctor says, oh, lovely place, very gleaming. Restech says, this is our court and our place of execution. Amy arrives, tells them to let them go. The doctor says, Amy Pond, there's a girl to rely on. Amy says they're covered both ways, not to try anything clever, Buster, to let them go or she'll suit. She'll shoot. Restech moves towards Amy, who warns her, but she disarms Amy immediately. The doctor yells not to touch her. Moe's also disarmed. Maloka says, all right, Restech, you've made your point. Restech says, this is now a military tribunal. Tells Maloka to go back to his lab. They hiss at each other. Maloka says, this isn't the way. 
Rustek calls to prepare for execution, and Amy apologizes, saying, as rescues go, it didn't live up to its potential. The four of them are all attached to these columns. The doctor says he's glad she's okay. Amy says, me too. Lizard men, though. The doctor explains they're homo reptilia, that they occupied the planet before humans, and now they want it back. Nazarene ends after they've wiped out the human race. Amy says, right. Preferred it when I didn't know, to be honest. Nazarene wonders why they are waiting and what they are going to do to them. Uh, this whole, like, Amy rescue going badly was very funny, actually. And I liked all of the, like, immediately falling apart and her being like, yeah, yes. I, I liked it better when I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, the lizard people, they want to just kill all the humans and retake Earth because they were here first. Oh, cool. I actually, yeah, I, I was good. <laughs> I, Yep. Ambrose tells her dad she didn't know it would go like that. Max says, my little girl, what have you done? Ambrose asks what happens now, and a screen comes to life with Reztek asking for the ape leader. Ambrose covers Ilea's body, and Reztek says, who speaks for the apes? Max says not to tell them what happened, and Rory appears on the big screen and says, I speak for the humans. Some of us, anyway. Love Reztek that, by the way, that he, mm -hmm. like, gave that caveat. Where it's like, well, some of them, this group, not all humans, to be clear. Yeah. Restek asks if he understands who they are. Rory says, sort of, a bit, not really. Uh, Restek says they have ape hostages. They can see the four of them. Mo tells Ambrose he's fine, that he's found Elliot, and he's bringing him home. Rory says, Amy, I thought I'd lost you. Amy says, what, because I was sucked into the ground? You're so clingy. That's uh, the line, where I was just so like, good. I love them. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nazarene calls for Tony Mac, who asks if she's having fun down there. Just like these different, the different level of these yep. interactions was very, very funny. Uh, the doctor says not to interrupt, but just a quick reminder to stay calm. Rostek asks to see Ilea to release her immediately unharmed or kill their friends one by one. The doctor tells them, study now, everyone. Mac tells Ambrose to stop it, and Ambrose tells her dad to get off her, that they didn't start this. The doctor tells Ambrose to let Rory deal with this. Ambrose says they aren't doing what he wants anymore. Tells them to give her back her family. Restek says to execute the girl, and Rory tells them to wait, that she's not speaking for them. The doctor says there's no need for this. Rory tells them to listen, that whatever they want, they'll do it. Restek tells them to aim. Everybody yells, and the screen goes blank. She yells fire, but that's when Eldane says, stop. You want to start a war while the rest of us sleep? As this kind of older Silurian walks in. Reztek says the apes are attacking them, and Eldane says, you're our protector, not our commander, Reztek, and to unchain them. Reztek says she does not recognize Eldane's authority, and Eldane says she must shoot him then. Reztek accuses Maloka of awakening Eldane to undermine her. Maloka says, we're not monsters, and neither are they. Reztek asks him what it is about the apes that he loves so much. Maloka says, while you slept, they've evolved. I've seen it for myself. Reztek says they used to hunt apes for sport, and when they came underground, the apes spread and populated the planet. Eldane says, shush now, Restek. Go and play soldier. I'll let you know if I need you. She says, you'll need me, and then we'll see. Yeah, I, I feel like this is like the part where I'm a little, not confused. I just feel like left behind in terms of the storytelling. And I think that like Raztec not even being remotely motivated by her sister being up there as a hostage piece is like, why I'm not engaged in this story. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, she wants death and destruction and wants to kill the apes. That's it. That's it. That's the only motivation. That's the only like thing about her character. And that's like, not interesting when you're dangling an interesting piece of story in front of me. And then it's just bait. It's nothing. Like there's nothing there. Like the sister really doesn't matter even later on. Like it's not even going to be a big thing. It's like this other rando guy that we hadn't seen or knew that there was anything else like that's the only reason that they're alive right now like that I don't, I don't know that's like just not 
good storytelling for me. And then I'm also ridiculously confused if these people can live like basically forever, not really forever, but why is the leader asleep? But the, the military commander and the scientists are the only ones awake. Like, what are we doing here? Why, who gets to decide who's awake and who's asleep? And why is the leader of the people, not the one that is awake, making those decisions? Like why this guy was just taking a snooze for a thousand years or whatever. And we had the scientists go wake him up. Like it just, the logic of this like didn't really track for me and it made the stakes not interesting. It didn't lower them, but it was like, they're being, you know, threatened with these guns that sometimes tase, sometimes just shoot whatever. And like our, our result here is that a random leader comes in and is like, Hey, stop it. We're better. And that's it. That's the resolution of this particular like situation. Like that. It's just not interesting to me. Yeah, I don't disagree here. I mean, I think the biggest thing, too, is to your point, right? Like, the military leader has no real motivation beyond just, like, kill all humans, which is which is fine. But then they try to make her seem like she's concerned later when she, like, gives her little, like, wail and cry when, uh, the other, when she finds out the other one's dead. But it's like nothing preceded that being the reaction that she would have or as, as part of the motivation. And you're right. It it is odd to be like, oh, we awoke our military leader and our scientists, but that's about it. Um, we're not gonna wake up anyone else. And it's that's a very odd take. And especially like to your point, they should have like teased that there was a leader who wasn't awake. Someone should have threatened to have awakened him sooner, and then that would have made him being woken up a better payoff. Um, I mean, like this is a this is ridiculous. I'm about to reference this, but this is a like full plot point in the movie underworld that i actually like really enjoy that movie but like part of the whole deal is like they're like it's vampirism right and there's like three leaders of the vampire council but each one rules for like a thousand years and the other two are asleep and then they just rotate and like they set that up very early on so that when one of them wakes up early it's like a thing so that's that's the thing right like you have to set up stuff that pays off later and you're right adam like that doesn't happen here and it is a bit messy it feels like it's a bit out of nowhere yeah i agree it's just um i don't know it's yeah this guy shows up out of nowhere it doesn't seem like she there's no like oh that's my sister whatever no there's nothing it's i don't Mm -hmm. know up anywhere um, so Rory's trying to get through saying he's got to get down there when the doctor appears on screen. Rory asks where Amy is. The doctor says she's fine. Amy says, keeping you on your toes. Doctor says, no time to chat. Listen, you need to get down here. Go to the drill storeroom. There's a large patch, patch of earth in the middle of the floor. The Silurians are going to send up transport discs to bring you back down using geothermal energy and gravity bubble technology. It's how they travel. And frankly, it's pretty cool. Bring Ilea. We hand her over. We can land this after all. All going to work. Promise. Got to dash. Hurry up. The transmission ends and Max says the movement, the moment they get down there, everything will fall apart. And Rory says they have to return her, that they deserve at least that. Uh, the doctor says to Eldane, they'll have a fair bit to talk about, that they both want the planet, both have a genuine claim to it. Eldane asks the doctor if he's authorized to negotiate on behalf of humanity. The doctor says, me? No, but they are, and points to the others. Amy says they're not. The doctor says, of course you are. Amy Pond and Nazarene Chowdhury uh, speaking for the planet. Humanity couldn't have better ambassadors. Come on, who is more fun than us? Amy asks if this is what happens in the future, that the planet gets shared, asks if that's what they need to do. Nazarene asks what they're talking about. The doctor says, oh, Nazarene, sorry. Probably worth mentioning at this stage. Amy and I travel in time a bit. <laughs> the doctor explains there are fixed points through time where things must always stay the way they are. This is not one of them. 
This is an opportunity, a temporal tipping point. Whatever happens today will change future events, create its own timeline, its own reality. The future pivots around you here and now. So do good for humanity and for Earth. And he says, right, no pressure there then. Nazarene says they can't share the planet, that nobody on the surface is going to go for that idea. It's just too big a leap. The doctor says, come on, be extraordinary. Okay, bringing things to order, the first meeting of representatives of the human race and Homo reptilia is now in session. Ha, never said that before. That's fab. Carry on now. Let Mo, let's go and get your son. Oh, you know, humans and their predecessors shooting the breeze. Never thought I'd see it. This moment is very cool and <laughs> a fantastic premise. And the idea of there are fixed points in time. This isn't one of them. This is an opportunity. Like we could literally make history here. I think is very cool. And I'm like, shit, why isn't this the episode? Right? Like, yeah, there's so much here that like, the like everything else around it is so much less interesting than this idea this concept especially for a sci-fi show and i wish this had more of a focus i do think on a lot of levels though it's very silly to be like yes amy and nezreen you'll negotiate everything and everyone else on upstairs they'll listen certainly the governments will like that's a bit yeah. silly but like the idea is very cool the concept is really, really great. I totally agree. Um, and we'll get to the part where we actually get the conversation because I'm a little upset and frustrated about the conversation that we actually do get in this negotiation. But I totally agree that like this is the intrigue. Um, and I also just want to point out like the the question that Amy asked of like, is this the future, Doctor? Like, is this what this looks like? Is this what happens? Is such a smart, insightful question that I, like, would not have thought to ask. Like, this this to me is, like, a why I think that Amy is one of the best companions. It's, it's such a smart, like, obvious question. Like, of course you should be asking this question to the time travel. Like, what is the future of this particular situation that I'm about to, like, be a part of? But, like, uh, I, I totally agree, Kevin. The idea of, like, fixed versus not fixed. Fascinating. I think that we all probably prefer when this is a plot point uh, geared towards not fixed. I don't think that any of us are like super excited when the doctor is like, well, this is fixed. So I can't do much here. Like I like the idea Don't of this. Blow up Pompeii. Yeah. So Pompeii's, <laughs> yeah. see ya. Like uh, nothing I could do for you. But I, so I like this idea of not fixed. I just, a really brilliant question from Amy of like, is this the future? Like is what, what happens here, doctor? And he's like, well, it's up to you. So, you know, uh, shout out to shout out to both of them. I love this premise. Not the only time we're going to see this premise of two sides coming to the table and the doctor making that happen. I, I really, really do love it. Yeah. Nazarene is a really fun, like, you know, two episode technically, but like, you know, kind of a single story character um, that we get. I'm uh, and yeah, it was it was sort of cool here to see her. And then in the scene that we will get where it's not that she's saying like, She's just being very pragmatic about this conversation, which I think is very helpful because I think Amy's sort of coming at it from a like, yeah, of course, we can make this work, whatever, like kind of positivity. And Ezrin's like, okay, but like realistically, the earth is a finite resource and all of this stuff. So, um, yeah, I think it's really great that she's here and a part of this as well. Um, so on the surface, four travel discs come up. Max says, so we get on those and they take us down through the earth. Rory says, geothermal gravity bubbles or something. Amber says, they sent four. She was our only bargaining chip. And Rory says, we have to hand her back. Amber says, wait, before we go down, there's something I've got to do and ask her dad for help. In the tunnel, Max says, no way. But Amber says, please, that it's a precaution. Max says, he won't do it. Amber says, to look at what they did to him. 
Max says, this isn't about either of them. And Amber says, no, it's about your grandson. If you don't, won't do it for me, do it for Elliot. I know I did wrong, but I can't lose him, dad. Uh, the doctor and Mo get to the stasis pod with Elliot. Maloka reassures Mo he's unharmed, that he only stores the young. The doctor asks why Maloka says he took samples of the young, slowed their life cycles to a millionth of their normal rate so that he could study how they grew, what they needed, and how they lived on the surface. The doctor asks if he's been down here working by himself all alone. Maloka says with his family through the millennia and for the last 300 years, just him, that he never meant to harm Elliot. The doctor says, Maloka, I rather love you. Maloka unhooks Elliot's wires, wakes him up. Mo tells Elliot he's safe now. Elliot asks where they are, and Mo says, well, I've got to be honest with you, son. We're in the center of the earth, and there are lizard men. Maloka says hi. Elliot says wow. The doctor apologizes to Elliot for taking his eyes off of him, and Elliot forgives him. And Maloka tells them to go on, and he'll catch up. My question yeah. is uh, Maloka saying that he, like, kidnaps human children and studies them and by slowing their life down? Because yeah, okay. It this doesn't make the him problem. the good yeah. guy that he thinks he does. We, all, we, we forgive him. Over that part. We forgive <laughs> him so quickly. Like, this was the man who was like dissecting alive people yep. like 30 seconds ago. Like we get over this so fast. Also, not for nothing. My ma my math is not amazing here. Okay, we slow their aging down like a, a millionth of the aging process or whatever, and then we do 300 years. I'm no mathematician, but that's like. A Tuesday, right? Like over the course of 300 years? That's like a no, millennia and 300 years. Oh, all right. So. Well, still. Yeah, I don't really get why the slowing down of the aging was like necessary for the studying of it all. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make any sense. But also, it's like, wait, where are you getting these youth from? Well, yeah, it's really because then their parents die. Like, there's just so much yeah. there. Where, just where are like, the other oh, yeah, youths? It's bad. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. We forgive this guy way too quickly. He really gets the heroes edit, and uh, I'm I'm not buying yeah. it. I mean, fortunately, yeah, he'll get his weapon. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, El Dane says we lived on the surface of the planet long before you did. Our sole purpose has been to return to our rightful place. Nazreen says, and we've got a planet that can't already sustain the people who live there. And you want to add a whole other species to drain resources. El Dane's voice explains. As I sat there that day across the table from the humans, the future of both species and of our beloved planet Earth rested in our hands. But as the discussions went on, I began to despair about whether we would ever find any common ground. As ambassadors for our species, we all had too much to lose. Amy says, so what about the areas that aren't inhabitable to us? Australian outback, Sahara Desert, Nevada Plains, they're all deserted. Nasreen says, yes, fine. But what happens when the population grows and breeds and spreads? And anyway, what benefit does humanity get? And how will we ever sell this to the people on the surface? Eldane says, if I could get a word in, maybe I could tell you. Which gives me mad, like, um, man at a conference who's just, like, sad that he's not taking up 70% of the space in the room here. I was just like, sir, sit down. You've been talking plenty this whole episode. We've heard from you fine. I don't know. I was like, <sighs> this was just so snarky for like no, re no reason at Admittedly, all. Melissa, he was, he was literally just told what benefit does your race provide our race? Yeah. Like that was the what comment you, that preceded. Can, you can I say something please? An underground civilization and has cryostasis. Yeah. Provide any of us humans. <laughs> like what, what have you done for me lately? My guy, like that was. <laughs> well, know. because the point is that they're going to have to go up to governments and be like, yeah, we should, you right. know, 
do this. Oh, no, I know. But how I'm just are we going to sell he, this? He, he just heard the word of like, what benefit do they provide us? And I'm like, okay, if I were to be asked that question, I'd probably want to like respond to it or say something and not just keep letting them talk, you know? Yeah. Well, so there's just a little bit of snark thrown in here at the beginning. Uh, he says, if I could get a word in, maybe I could tell you, you give us space. We can bring new sources of energy, new methods of water supply, new medicine, scientific advances. We were a great civilization. You provide a place for us on the surface. We'll give you knowledge and technology beyond humanity's dreams. If we work together, this planet could achieve greatness. Nazreen says she's starting to see it, and Amy agrees. The doctor enters with Mo and Elliot, says, not bad for a first session. More similarities than differences. Eldane says the transports have returned with their friends. It was a cool scene. I wish uh, he had been less snarky, and it could have been more of it. <laughs> well, you know, he's a lizard man. They're always talking over lizard people, you know? Yeah. Uh, Maloka finds Restek reviving the warriors, says she's protecting their race against the apes. Maloka says she can't do this, and Restek says you're a good scientist, but this is war, and kills him. Uh, Rory appears, followed by Ambrose, then Mac, carrying Alea's body wrapped in a blanket. The doctor realizes something is wrong, says, no, don't do this. Tell me you didn't do this. Amber says, it was me. I did it. Tells Elliot she just wanted him back. The doctor tells Eldane, I'm sorry. I didn't know. You have to believe me. They're better than this. Ambrose says, this is our planet. Doctor says they had a chance here, but Ambrose tells him to leave them alone. The doctor says, in future, when you talk about this, you tell people there was a chance, but you were so much less than the best of humanity. Reztek and her troops march in. She says, my sister. Oh, and you want us to trust these apes, doctor? Ma'am, you were coming in here with an army anyway. I don't know. Yes! I literally wrote the same thing, except I said, lady, you just initiated a coup. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. what? This makes yeah. no sense, because it's exactly that. Her motivation is not tied to this moment. And for her to be like, oh, you want us to trust them? I'm like, you literally are... are having a coup right now you killed the scientist and you are trying to take over from the person who is designated your leader what are you talking about yeah. insanity the doctor says one woman she was scared for her family she's not typical i say she probably is uh restex yeah. agrees as i think she is doctor says one person let us down but there's a whole race of dazzling peaceful human beings up there you were building something here come on an alliance could work Amber says it's too late for that doctor. The doctor asks why, and Amber says our drill is set to start burrowing again in 15 minutes. Mac asks what choice did he have that they had Elliot. The doctor says don't do this. Don't call their bluff. Amber says let us go back, and you promise to never come to the surface ever again. We'll walk away and leave you alone. Reztek tells the warriors to execute her. The doctor grabs Ambrose and they run. Reztek calls for them to execute all the apes. Doctor pulls out the sonic screwdriver, says, this is a deadly weapon. Stay back. Uh, as he like blows up their little gun things and dodges. The doctor tells the others to get to the lab, tells the Silurians, stop right there or I'll use my very deadly weapon again. One warning. That's all you get. If there can be no deal, you go back into hibernation. All of you now. This ends here. Rustic says, no, it only ends with our victory. The doctor says, like I said, one warning and seals the door. The only thing I want to do uh, add in here after the guns get destroyed or whatever, because the uh, screwdriver is able to do that. Um, one of yeah, them right, does, well, one of them does try to uh, shoot their tongue out at the doctor. I don't know if anyone else uh, saw that, but yeah. that was probably yeah. the highlight of this episode for me was the longest tongue I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, this thing just like shot out. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it was really, I, it was really good. I, I did enjoy that because it was just so I like casual. how he dodged it too. Yeah, it's and it like, was the whoop. only one that tried to use their tongue the whole the whole time. Mm -hmm. Everyone it's else true. had a gun. Everyone else was like, no, I'm not using this tongue. So I'm just I'm I don't know. Is that a weapon? 
or was this Siren just really proficient with their tongue? I don't know. I feel like it is a way. That's a good point, though. Like, oh, you have disabled your guns. We forgot about. No the one else we tried the tongue. Yeah, no yeah. one else went for the tongue. It was just one of them. I don't know. Uh, so the doctor tells Elliot and his dad to keep an eye on the screen, let them know if they've got company, tells Amy to keep reminding him how much time he hasn't got. Amy says, okay, um, 12 minutes till drill impact. The doctor says, Tony Max, sweaty forehead, dilated pupils, what are you hiding? Max shows the green veins on his chest, explains it was Alea sting, but she said there was no cure, asks if he's dying, but the doctor says, you're not dying, you're mutating. Mac asks how to stop it, and the doctor says the decontamination program might work, and asks Aldane if he can run the program on Tony. Mo tells the doctor there are more creatures headed their way surrounding them. The doctor says, so question is, how do we stop the drill given that we can't get there in time? Plus, how do we get out given that we're surrounded? Nazreen, how do you feel about an energy pulse channeled up through the tunnels to the base of the drill? Nazreen asks to blow up my life's work. The doctor says, oh yes, there's no nice way of putting that. Nazreen says they'll have to do it before the drill hits the city. And Amy chimes in with 11 minutes, 40 seconds. Uh, we're basically doing the counting of the angels thing all over again. I thought it was a weird oh, I didn't even think about that parallel yet. here. Uh, the doctor says, yes, squeaky bum time. Nazarene explains the explosion will cave the surrounding tunnels, so they have to get out and on the surface by then. Uh, but Rory points out they can't get past ResTech's troops. Aldane says he can help with that toxic fumigation, an emergency failsafe meant to protect his species from infection, a warning signal to occupy cryo chambers after that citywide fumigation by toxic gas and the city shuts down. Amy says he'll be killing his own people, but Aldane says only those foolish enough to follow ResTech. The doctor asks Aldane if he's sure about this. Aldane says, my priority is my race's survival. The earth isn't ready for us to return yet. The doctor says no, but maybe it should be. So here's the deal. Everybody listening, Aldane, you activate shutdown. I'll amend the system. Set your alarm for a thousand years time. A thousand years to sort the planet out to be ready. Pass it on as legend or prophecy or religion, but somehow make it known this planet is to be shared. Elliot says, yeah, I get you. The doctor says, yes, fluid control is my favorite. Energy pulse, timed, primed, and set. Before we go, energy barricade, need to cancel it out quickly. Eldane has pre-launched the fumigation, and Rory points out there isn't much time for them to get to the surface. The doctor says, aha, super squeaky bum time. Get ready to run for your lives now. Eldane says the decontamination program on Mac hasn't started yet. Mac tells them all to go. Ember says they aren't leaving. Mac tells Elliot to look after his mom, that he mustn't blame her, that she only did what she thought was right. Elliot says, I'm not going to see you again, am I? Max says he'll be here always, tells him he loves him. Amber says this is her fault. Max says he can't go back up there. He'll be a freak show. The technology down here is his only hope. I do love the conceit again of the doctor being like, okay, a thousand years. That's what you said it for. You have, humanity, you got a thousand years to get yourselves ready because that's when it's happening. Like, so spread that word. I think the idea of like the long-term thing, right? Of like setting that up getting ourselves prepared there's obviously the subtleness of just like fix a problem before it's too late um in that which i think is fine but i like the idea of it the idea of just like this is the way it's going to have to be but let's make sure that once they return like we are properly prepared for this and hopefully the good way um yeah i i just I found that part interesting at the very least I just struggle. Okay, so I agree with you that the concept is really interesting. I really struggle with the with the fact that we spent the most interesting part of the episode of like, let's sit down at a table and try and negotiate this thing out like between humans and Silurans. And our end result is like the doctor saying, hey, this is my new idea. Let's do this. And 
in a thousand years, like we're going to, we're going to do this, like regardless of anything else that was decided, like it just took away all of like the intrigue and the agency that happened previously and put it back in the hands of the doctor. And like, we don't like, we're not going to like, we, we don't see that pay off at the end of the episode. It just turned into like the doctor being like, this is what it should be. And to some extent, both the humans and all the humans of the Silurians in this episode are not great. Like the, the question of like, are we, is humanity better than what Ambrose did? No, probably not. But also like, is humanity better than the Silurians? I mean, there was like multiple little comments about like, we used to hunt them for sport or do things like that. Right. Now, like suddenly we're, we're like dissecting people who are alive. We're stealing children. It's like, you know what I mean? Like no one's like good here. No one's like good or bad. It's living on the surface of the earth. Like who cares really what that looks like? I just don't like that. They set it up to be like, let's come to some kind of diplomatic agreement between humans and Silurians and try and sell this and i have like really interesting conversation here and it turned into like let's start some legends and folklore about these lizard people and then in a thousand years like a freaking jack-in-the-box we're gonna or you know we're gonna pop up and so it's it, uh, yeah. yeah it's like the whole weird pulse thing that happened in the previous episode where it was like this whole big scene that then didn't matter at all yeah, and then right, like yeah. here it's like this whole conversation didn't matter at all <laughs> and it didn't matter because of like a stupid thing that's like the, even the worst part it didn't matter because like the humans were stupid and then also the military lady was like we're gonna blow everything up like that was the that's like the cause of all of this and then so it's like it's bad writing leading to the unfortunate storytelling where it just doesn't matter and even though the characters are good and i like you know amy's reaction to this is really interesting i love the the i forget the kid's name the little kid being like yeah i got Elliot. you i'm gonna i like that i really like that moment where he's like i'm going to embody this because i am like the best of humanity that's really good but the way that we got there was like that's it, it's just annoying and frustrating when it could have been so much better i think that's exactly it right though because like i i do I do like the uh, the conceit, and like I said, the the thousand year thing I think is fascinating. But you are right. What does suck is the how we got here. Stupid, and that's like I think what drags it all down. Like if the if whatever it was that prohibited everything from working out was more interesting, I think then that this is a solution could have been played as like the tragedy of like we had gotten there. We had a moment where we could have had peace, and then we lost it, and now like this is the next solution would have been cool it's just that the actual way that the story was unfolded is unfortunately kind of dumb um and that's the unfortunate cost right like i think in a vacuum the, the those pieces the most interesting parts of these two episodes are cool is just lost amongst the other nonsense or just have this be amy's idea God, you know what I mean? Like, why it doesn't even necessarily have to be the doctor. Have this be like Amy and and Nazarene being like, let's let's do this. Let's set up something good for the, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have to be this exact idea, but make it make it not the doctor just being like, oh, this is what it's actually going to be now. So, mm -hmm. also, a thousand years is so long. There's no way humanity will like do this. Our memories are too short. Um. So toxic fumigation is initiated. The doctor tells them to follow Nazarene, look for the blue box, get ready to run. He says, I'm sorry. Eldane says, I thought for a moment, our race and the humans. And the doctor says, yeah, me too. The doctor tells them to go, but Nazarene says her and Tony will hibernate together. Max says, I can be decontaminated when they're woken all the time in the world. Nazarene says, this is perfect. I don't want to go. I get what I was digging for. I can't leave when I've only just found it. She thanks the doctor. The doctor says, the pleasure was all mine. Nazarene tells him to come and look for them. And Eldane's voiceover says, so the doctor sent our warriors back to their rest on the poise of future, on the promise of future harmony with humans. Uh, the doctor and Amy are running and Rory's coming back to come grab them. And so they run past. And Amy's like, other way, idiot. Other which way, was idiot. Hilarious. Again, love them. 
Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that again, I, I just don't know because we know that she cares about him. And I think because like Karen Gillan's delivery, like it, which could have just been mean, doesn't really fully come off that way. And no. again, I just love these two. Yeah. Uh, they make their way to the TARDIS. The doctor says, no questions, just get in. Yes, I know it's big. Uh, it sends Ambrose to the sick bay. Uh, five minutes and counting. And then we see the stretched W-shaped crack in the wall. Doctor says, not here, not now. It's getting wider. Amy says, uh, the crack on my bedroom wall. The doctor voiceover says, two parts of space and time that should never have touched right here. He says, in the Byzantium, all through the universe, rips in the continuum. Amy asks how it can be following her. And the doctor says, some of space-time cataclysm, an explosion maybe, big enough to put cracks in the universe, but what? The angels laughed when I didn't know. Prisoner Zero knew. Everyone knows except me. Amy tells the doctor to leave it, that they've got to go. The doctor says, but where there's an explosion, there's shrapnel. Rory tells the doctor he can't put his hand in there. The doctor reaches into the crack, grabs something, pulls his arm back out. Restech appears. She raises her weapon at the doctor. Rory pushes him out of the way, taking the hit. Amy calls for Rory. The doctor asks if Rory can hear him, but he doesn't understand. Amy says they have to get him into the TARDIS. Rory says they were on the hill, but he can't die here. Amy says not to say that. And Rory says, you're so beautiful. I'm sorry. And dies. Oh, br brutal, brutal moment. Like, again, the execution, I think, is really good. And this is attributed to, like, just great acting. Um, but that's such a sad, sad moment because, again, like, they do understand time, right? And, like, that is a fundamental, like, I just, I don't understand, but we were on the hill, which is true. Um, and so, like, it just makes the scene sadder. But I also just love, like, his, his last moment of just telling Amy that she's beautiful. It's just like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Yeah, it's great. And it shows a lot about Rory that, like, that's what's in his mind as, like, this mm -hmm. is happening, right? Like, it's not, you know, his old past, like, fl flashing before his eyes and anything like that. It's like he saw him and Amy together in the future coming back and, like, looking at this. And, like, that is what he was thinking about. Like, that's what he's holding on to is, like, I still get to be with her in the future. And we're, like, looking back on this kind of stuff. It, it really does endear you to Rory. And I know, like, whatever. I wasn't the huge Rory fan the first time I saw this through. But, like, these types of things. He, he really loves and cares about Amy. And I, I really love that for him. And their their relationship is, is just a ton of fun. Uh, Amy says, doctor, help him. Light from the crack reaches Rory's feet. The doctor's, we hear the doctor's voice say, if the time energy catches up with you, you'll never have been born. It will erase every moment of your existence. You will never have lived at all. The doctor tells Amy to move away from the light or she'll be erased from the history. But Amy says she's not leaving him. They have to help him. The doctor says the lights are already around him. We can't help him. Amy refuses to leave. So he drags her into the TARDIS and says, I'm sorry. Inside the TARDIS, Amy is yelling to be let out, that she needs to get Rory, or if the light gets him, he'll be absorbed, and she'll forget him. He'll never have existed, that she can't let that happen. The doctor sets the TARDIS in motion. Rory's absorbed by the light from the crack, and Amy says they can't just leave him there. The doctor tells Amy to keep him in your mind. Don't forget him. If you forget him, you'll lose him forever. Amy says, when we were in the Byzantium, I still remembered the clerics because I was a time traveler. The doctor says they weren't part of your world. This is different. This is your own history changing. Amy says, don't tell me it's going to be okay. You have to make it okay. Doctor says, it's going to be hard, but you can do it, Amy. Tell me about Rory, eh? Fantastic Rory, funny Rory, gorgeous Rory. Amy, listen to me. Do exactly as I say. Please keep concentrating. You can do this. Amy says, I can't. Doctor says, you can. You can do it. I can't help you unless you do. Come on. We can still save his memory. Come on, Amy, please. Come on, Amy. Don't let anything distract you. Remember Rory. Keep remembering. Rory's only alive in your memory. You must keep hold of him. Don't let anything distract you. Keep Rory still lives in your mind. 
The TARDIS comes to a halt and the ring box lands in front of the doctor on the floor. Amy asks what the doctor was saying and they run out and see the drill explode. Amy says, all Nazarene's work, all Nazarene's work just erased. Mo says, good thing she's not here to see it. She's going to tell, give Tony hell when they wake up. Ambrose says, you couldn't let those things shoot me. You saved me. Doctor says, an eye for an eye. It's never the way. Now, you're, now you show your son how wrong you were, how there's another way you can make him the best of humanity in the way you couldn't be. Amy and the doctor return to the TARDIS. Amy says, you're very quiet. Oh, hey, look, there I am again. Hello, me. As a lone figure waves back from the other side of the valley. The doctor asks Amy if she's okay. Amy says, I thought I saw someone else there for a second. I need a holiday. Didn't we talk about Rio? The doctor tells her to go in. He just needs to fix the lock. She says, you boys and your locksmithery. Aldane's voice says, now as my people awaken from their thousand year sleep, ready to rise to the surface, my thoughts turn back to the doctor, the losses he suffered then, and the greater losses that were still to come, as we see the shrapnel the doctor pulled from the crack is a charred piece of the TARDIS. That's the episode. Cool. Such a cool visual there at the end. Like they, I, they really knock that out of the park in terms of just the look of it, right? Like you look at that and I think like instantly as we are watching, we're like, oh, that's so cool. And then he holds it up right by it. And it's like, right. It's, it's just really, really well done. They don't do a lot of like, I mean, there are a lot of props on this show, but like this, like this to me really stands out as they, they made this look so, so good. And it wasn't like a, you know, cheap fake knockoff or whatever. Like this, this really like elicited a lot of emotion. And it's the freaking TARDIS, man. It's a piece of the TARDIS. Exactly. I think that's the part, right? Like the TARDIS has been just this thing that's almost like indestructible and like we've never seen it in like real danger and it always like looks fully, you know, intact. So like to see a piece of it, to know that it's in that crack and to know that there's all that stuff, I think really does add this like level of intrigue and almost excitement of just like, oh man, I can't wait to see where this is headed and where this is going to pay off. Um, so uh, all of that I really like. And again, I think it's really well done because like Karen Gillan just does such a killer job. And as does Matt Smith in those moments as they're trying to hold on to the memory of Rory and then how she immediately just flips and goes, you know, to continue to scene and is now like different. I, I, I just think it's so great. And you can see, especially like these two became like star stars afterwards, you know, as a tenant, but like you really see like it shine through and like their acting ability standing like so phenomenally above in these moments. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. And, um, I can't, we can't say much because like it does, listen, it, it pays off, right? Again, we watched this episode for a reason and like there, this ending part especially is it like, it's, it's a big reason why we wanted to cover this because there's going to be a lot to talk about as it continues. And just this moment is like really great. And I think a powerful moment because again, at the time I thought Rory was like dead and I was just like, damn. Did not expect that, and that's brutal. And like, especially the way it he went was really interesting. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I it didn't occur to me what a resolution could be, but um, boy, did they handle that well too? Is what I'll say. I guess <laughs> I don't want to spoil too much of that, in my opinion. I'm curious, Melissa. Did you think Rory was dead the first time that you saw this? Because I was like very much on the train of like, no, like, uh, you know. I honestly don't remember. I. Yeah, I I think it's one of those where like I'm um I think I he might have been dead but I didn't know if this was the end of him if that mm. you know like I think that that's and I think that's like sort of as much as we're saying on here is that basically like Rory's story continues even in the sense that like Amy is going to be dealing with this loss that she doesn't remember yeah. um which is very interesting. And so like yeah, I don't particularly remember. I also don't 
remember now uh the rest of the story which because i you know watched it one time uh a few years ago so that will be fun to get to as we go um but yeah it's certainly like it's it felt too big of a moment at this like kind of weird spot in a season and then to have her not remember him was like it also means that it's like there's clearly going to be more to this story this isn't just a like yeah, a tragic thing that happens to this character is it's there's some level of intrigue here about how does Amy process this? What does this mean? What's going on with this crack? Like there's, there's just too many questions that I was sort of like very like, okay, what's going on here? There's clearly lots of things to figure out. Yeah. And it's certainly not the first time that we've seen companions being like a weird, like, did they die type situation? I mean, we had, you know, the rows I mean, of it all. I literally guess, happened to Rory, I guess. too, <laughs> and, and Rory, I suppose. And then also, I think that like the memory of it all, if we think about Donna, you know, this is not like the first time we've had like big, you know, moments of forgetting and what do they remember and like dangerous stuff like that. So um, just just some interesting parallels, especially as we get towards uh, get towards, you know, newer episodes. All right, um, but that is the episode for this week. So uh, let's hit our feedback, and then we can get into our ratings. Yeah, so as always, please keep sending in your feedback. We absolutely love to get it. Uh, from Nicole, forget what I said last week. This makes a lot more sense now as to why they put that scene with future Amy and Rory at the beginning of part one, and I also understand now why we watched this. Yes, we yeah. we've justified <laughs> it. We did it. Um, it wasn't a Daleks in Manhattan. I didn't make a mistake. It was on purpose. It was not uh, Daleks in Manhattan. Which, by the way, if we abbreviate that, that's dim. And I feel like uh, I feel like there's something. It was dim. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super squeaky bum time sounds fun. How did we not talk about this? Super squeaky bum oh, yeah, time. We... Hilarious. Is this is this like a is this a British phrase that I just like don't know about Good. or? Is this like a new thing or is this just like Stuart, the doctor? I, I just need to know Man, if this was like an actual in. thing or not because I'd like to start saying this. Um, I think it's going to just be a doctorism, right? I, is this the first time we heard Smith say it though? Yes. And like, no. but it wasn't, I feel like if, if someone just says this, none of the other characters were like, what did he just reacted weird? Yeah. <laughs> they, they were, they were in like, the middle of a lot of shit. So they were like... in the middle of super squeaky bum time. Is what they were. Yeah, um, she goes on for you video game fans. Uh, this I learned guns kept reminding me of Lucio from Overwatch. I don't, I don't play this, but I don't play uh, Overwatch. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Um, I didn't love that they made all the female side characters suck in this episode, apart from Nazreen. True. Between Ambrose, the dead Silurian who was clearly trying to get killed, and her crazy sister, it seemed like women were causing all the problems here. Uh, let's not rule out the scientist. He caused a lot problems too but being overly aggressive and unwilling to listen to anyone while the males were super calm diplomatic and rational yeah i mean certainly more uh than one i don't know if i would call all of them uh diplomatic or rational but you know not my favorite way to structure the story from being honest uh whenever the doctor uh, kept saying to the sailorans they are better than this i kept thinking are we doctor are we really right i might be too cynical but i was kind of on team ambrose is pretty typical of humans uh do we have any theories as to why the doctor is so rosy on his view of humans and sometimes seems unwilling to acknowledge how terrible we can be well uh, to be honest with you i think that if we ever got to that point where the doctor was like yeah humans are pretty terrible um i think the show's over like i think we lose a, like a yes. key element of the show if the <laughs> doctors like you know any kind of realistic pair so that's really i think the situation but he uh has a previous episode so maybe it was just convenient for the plot i'm i'm curious as to what um previous episodes the doctor like fully was like humanity is like you know terrible or anything like that like so certainly there are bad parts of humanity but i i 
I can't recall any time when the doctor kind of gave up on humanity. Same here. I, I, I feel like it hasn't happened that much, or if it has, it's not the episodes we cover. So that probably says a lot. Yeah. I would, I would be interested to hear what um, that's in reference to, because it certainly could have happened and maybe I'm just forgetting. Uh, I, I definitely like this episode better than part one. The pacing was better and it was just more exciting overall. The last five minutes of the episode were fantastic. Karen Gillian nailed it. Uh, such an emotional sequence. I was actually very surprised that I had forgotten that this happened since my last watch possibly says something about the lasting emotional impact of it <laughs> or maybe uh because it's immediately followed up by one of the best doctor who episodes of all time who can say can't wait to see where this time crack takes us yeah I, not for nothing uh next week is a banger and a half so oh, yeah very excited about that um uh, so squeaky bum time is a sports thing uh oh. a, um love a- that that's why none of us knew it yeah, <laughs> well, so a, a, a Scottish football fan. manager and former player referencing the sound made by moving around in a plastic seat while squirming under pressure. So like mm. big, like final moments of a close game or season. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I love that. That's great. Mm-hmm. We it makes sense start. once this is explained. Yeah. We as a society should start saying that more because I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's squeaky bum time. Um, and finally, from uh, Bill Hall, this is a solid but unremarkable two-parter for me. We have an intriguing setup with compelling ideas to explore. But once it all uh, really starts unfurling, the execution often feels pedestrian. Both species have members who fall prey to darker. Violent instincts just uh, seems simplistic and both sidery. The ending with the Roy of it all is a really emotional and impactful sequence. But even as a first-time watcher, uh, but even a first-time watcher should know this isn't really the end for Rory. I definitely agree with that. I think that's uh, fine in a sci-fi time travel show, but fake deaths, time resets, lack of permanent consequences, these are elements of the show that can test my patience. However, my shoddy memory holes need to be filled in, so probably more to come on that at the end of the season. Vincent, next week, yay. I love that everyone's talking about next week's episode, uh, which we'll mention very, very briefly before we do the sign-off. But uh, before that, we still have our ratings to do. Uh, Melissa, what do you got? Timey-wimey, wibbly-wibbly-wibbly. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go 2.5 for wibbly-wobbly. There is just, like, enough stuff that annoyed me in this episode, enough stuff that, like, didn't feel in this two-parter that didn't feel consequential. Um, characters that I, like, didn't feel any connection to. Um so yeah, I am gonna give it a three for timey wimey though, and that is a bit of like a hey lizard people under the earth. Like some of that is kind of you know cool the like time of the like they used to be here they went underground now humans live, but it's also a big part of the stuff like the last like two minutes of this episode right with the crack the continuity of that story, um, Rory and then like I'm thinking of that as like the impact on Amy of this like. Rory never having existed as being like a timey-wimey thing that happens in this episode and that like emotional fallout from that I find that a very intriguing like character story so uh yeah that's my rating and it's sort of uh yeah would have been lower if not for like the very end there true uh yeah um I'm gonna have definitely effects on my score based on the ending but Adam what about you yeah, this is tough. I think this is probably the low point in terms of wibbly wobbly of of the Matt Smith era. Like, am I, I don't know if that's like too crazy to say here. Like, I just don't like a lot of 
a lot of the writing in the story and don't think it was very well done. But I also want to acknowledge that, like, it, just because it's the worst of the men's, but there, it does not make it the worst of everything. So I need to leave some space at the bottom end for, for some other stuff. So this is just going to get a two for me in terms of Wibbly Wobbly. Maybe should be lower, but trying to trying to use some kind of scale here. It is definitely higher in terms of timey-wimey, but I still don't think it's like a top-tier timey-wimey episode by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and I'm really struggling to give this anything higher than a 2.5, which I think is where I'm going to land. Like, I wanted it to be higher, but there's like enough time elements that I just didn't like or that didn't make sense like they really tried to make this a big timey-wimey type episode thousands of years slowing aging like uh, whatever species underneath the ground like that's cool i just don't know how well it was executed so i'm at a 2.5 for timey-wimey yeah i think that's fair i'm i'm gonna actually do 2.5 for both as uh, where i'm ending up i think for a lot of the timey-wimey it's the same stuff melissa said and the same thing well honestly the, the 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 point fives for both came from like the ending of the episodes right like uh the acting of the characters and that that shock but also the timey wiminess because it is an erasure of time and things change and the incorporation of the but i saw us on the hill and then the change at the very end where it's just amy on the hill like so there's like those little pieces that they play with time in really interesting ways which doesn't even hit on the solarians being like a thousand years from now and all that other stuff so there's a lot of interesting time elements. But yeah, the story-wise, it was fine. It was okay. I saw what they were trying to do, but I just don't think it was as strong as it could have been, especially because it was a two-parter. I think if this maybe was like a one-parter, just a one episode done in one, the, the score could have gone up because they could have made it a little bit tighter and you could have had some a little more interesting stuff, focus on like some of the cooler aspects. But instead, we kind of missed out on that. So that's where that bump down for me goes. But the acting especially in that last moment was just so good that it's hard to not acknowledge that part. So that, that's where it is for me. The audience, however, is a little bit higher than all of us are on this. They're at a three for Wibbly Wobbly, leaving us to an average of 2.5. And then they're at a 3.5 for Timey Wimey, mm. giving us a, a 2.9 overall. So I mean, pretty low. Are cool, at least. At least a future Solarian is very cool, is what I will say. Yeah, I'll co-sign that. A future Solarian is very cool. Mm. Is as much as I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's all we can say right now, but goddamn. Cool because they're cold-blooded, that Hey, all right, that's it for us. No. We gotta go. We get we shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. Um yeah, but we are but we are gonna go. But before doing that, we have hyped about this, we have talked about this, but we are heading into the next episode, Vincent and the Doctor. It is universally considered one of the greatest episodes of Doctor Who. I'm really excited to revisit it and probably get very emotional. So everybody prepare yourself for that when you watch it because it is a pretty emotional episode um, and just really well executed. So I'm I'm pretty excited to go revisit it, to say the least. Um, but until then, uh, we'll see you next time. And Geronimo! Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. 
And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide.